dedicated to providing the finest personalized health care. We're Oralville Hospital. Here's another edition of our podcast, Growing Healthy Together. If you start to feel that pain in your thumbs and your wrist, and it gets difficult to do your daily tasks, it might be time to see a physician. You might have carpal tunnel syndrome. My guest is Dr. Christopher Job. He's an orthopedic surgeon at Oroville Hospital. Dr. Job, tell us a little bit about carpal tunnel syndrome. What is it? It's a compression of the median nerve. Of the nerves that go to your hand, the median nerve is the biggest in terms of how much skin it covers. It it covers the thumb and the next two and a half fingers, and it covers the muscles of the thumb. But it's the one nerve that goes through a confined space called the carpal tunnel. Also in that space, there are tendons and occasionally some muscle. So if there is any swelling in there, the, uh, the nerve is the one that suffers, and the person gets numbness in the, the thumb and the next two and a half fingers. Dr. Job, how does it happen? How do you get carpal tunnel? What are some ergonomic risk factors? Is it texting? Are you seeing more of this because of texting and thumbs or typing on the computer in improper positions? Tell us how it's most likely to occur. Well, it is associated with use of the hand. Um, It happens in certain populations if you have a tendency to get a little inflammation of the lining of the tendons. People who get trigger finger are often more inclined to get uh, carpal tunnel, but it often happens after a day of work and you're straining those structures, and the, and the nerve is not the guilty party. What is The problem is that other things within the carpal canal have swollen. Uh, I have carpal tunnel myself. I had it operated back in 1983, and there were two muscles that came up into the carpal canal. And when you um, have a heavy day of work, the muscles would swell a little bit like muscles do anywhere. But the carpal canal is unforgiving, and it's the nerve that suffers. Wow. And it can certainly be painful. I've known people with it. So tell us about options for treatment. And tell us a little bit about minimally invasive ultrasound endoscopic carpal tunnel release. What does that mean when we hear that very long-term carpal tunnel release surgery? Well, you have two options in treating this. One is to try to decrease the swelling. And so you do that by, say, having a person wear night splints at night so that they can't flex their wrist. Or you uh, inject uh, some cortisone up into the canal to try to get the inflamed tissue to shrink down. The opposite is the carpal tunnel release, where you're making the space or the volume bigger so that the compression on the nerve doesn't happen. And uh, what I do is an ultrasound-guided carpal tunnel release, and this is done through a small incision uh, just proximal to the wrist. And with the ultrasound, you can see the nerve, the arteries, the tendons, any abnormal malformation that might get in your way, although those are very rare. And then you could watch the device come up and put it in place. And then with a retrograde cutting knife, a knife cutting toward the arm, cut the the ligament. It's called the transverse carpal ligament. But basically what you're doing is you're making the volume of the carpal canal bigger, and that takes the pressure off the nerve. Cool. So how long does it last? Is this a permanent fix? I think it should be permanent. 
but I did have one patient who had had an open surgery, very successful, 10 years ago. He was a diabetic, and uh, he reappeared in my office uh, 10 years ago. I mean, he 10 years after his first surgery with a recurrent carpal tunnel. And so this time we did a uh, ultrasound-guided release, and it was also very successful. I suspect that what happens is that ligament that we cut heals, but it heals in a lengthened position. And so for most people, this is a permanent fix. But in this man, I think he had developed a secondary source of swelling. He had developed some diabetes and some thyroid disease. And so uh, he needed to be re-released. But he's the only one in a couple of hundred patients that I've seen where it was recurrent. Then who is a candidate? Why would someone have open surgery like he did versus this ultrasound guided, which is more minimally invasive? Are there some people for whom they are not a candidate for the minimally invasive version? Yes. Usually when you the they're referred to us by their primary care physician with a diagnosis of carpal tunnel, and we can confirm this with about 99% accuracy with the ultrasound. So in addition to doing that, what you're looking on the ultrasound to see if they have a malformation that would require you to do this open. Uh, the most recent one, the patient had an, a very large artery up in the carpal uh, canal. And so we did that hand open, but his opposite wrist we did with uh, ultrasound guidance. It turns out at that open dissection, I probably could have done him with uh, ultrasound, but because I'd never seen such a big median artery, I thought we better be on the safe side and do this one open. So interesting and something that so many people suffer from. So after they've had this procedure, then what? How soon can they get back to doing things and and really kind of using their hands the way that they used to? Tell us about that. Well, one of the advantages is that we don't have to splint the patient as we did uh, in the old days with the long open release. And so people, when their pain decreases, um, they can use the hand right off the bat. Now, when I say use the hand, for most tasks, the hardest thing for a carpal tunnel release patient to do is to get up off of a chair because this forces your wrist into hyperextension and you're pressing on the skin right over where we release that ligament. But for example, the head of our maintenance and security, I did both of his wrists. Uh, he didn't want to do them separately, so we did both of them, and he was back at work in four days. Uh, but yet he still had pain when he tried to push off of a chair, but he was able to do work. And I've done a couple of weightlifters who insisted on going back to the gym. They insisted on going back to the gym, and so I said, okay, you can do that, but you have to make me a list of what you can and cannot do. And what they found is that right after the release, they could do bench presses, et cetera, but you couldn't get their wrist backwards or flexed forward. They said that was very painful, but as long as they kept their wrist straight, they were capable of doing things. As we wrap up, and what an interesting topic, Dr. Job, give us your best advice as an orthopedic surgeon of what you would like us to do to hopefully prevent carpal tunnel in the first place. Are there some adjustments that we can make to our workplace stations, to the things that we're doing on our laptops, our phones, the repetitive strain injuries we're giving ourselves by using our hands in these ways? Well, based on the experience of the weightlifters, I would say that things that um, keep your wrist straight, 
So ergonomic adjustments on your chair at work, using the mouse, that kind of thing. And there are whole specialists that look at uh, workstations to make them more ergonomic. Some of this is unavoidable. Uh, The carpal tunnel that I had was always the night after a big day of surgery. And what the surgeon who did my wrist said that you've got this muscle that's going down in there and there's really nothing you could have done about it. So then give us your best advice. What would you like people to know about taking really good care of their hands? Well, I think that the working position of your wrist, your wrist doesn't have to be perfectly straight. You want it to be what we call dorsiflex, kind of cocked up a little bit, but the overall axis of the wrist to be straight and for repetitive motions to keep it in that position. So you'll notice some of these ergonomic workstations, you adjust the chair height so that you're not having to make your wrist in weird positions. And uh, I think that's the main thing you can do. If you start to get carpal tunnel symptoms and you don't have any muscle paralysis, wear splints on your wrist at night that holds your wrist in a good ergonomic position and allows you to sleep overnight. But there are a certain number of people that you uh, just isn't going to work and you may need to inject the wrist and eventually uh, operate on them. Thank you so much, Dr. Job, for joining us today. Um, Something that so many people have issues with. Thank you again for sharing your expertise. You're listening to Growing Healthy Together, a podcast by Oroville Hospital. For more information, please visit OrovilleHospital.com. I'm Melanie Cole.